When the name was first suggested, I googled it. Those two words, soft and shell, resulted in links to buy lightweight jackets, the kind you would want to pack in your bag for a summer's day on the hills when the weather could just turn. I always thought it meant that we, artists and writers still finding our way, would require protection and careful handling in the way that a baby's head must be given special attention for the first few months of its life, because its skull, which is still forming, is soft. Then, like all names that are used often, I forgot about its meaning. Upon repetition, upon becoming a shorthand for something, it lost its original power and gained new resonance as part of our shared language. But now, forced into this new way of being, all manner of things are looked at from a different angle. In the act of trying to hold on to each other at a distance, the shell has moved from being an outer layer of protection to a physical object that, when held, gives the speaker an audience, and when lifted and listened to, echoes back the sound of the sea between your ears. These kinds of shells are hard like bone, like teeth, like nails, but like all those things, they echo back the press of flesh in their brittle polish. Stroke the inside of a conch, the lip of a hermit crab's discarded home, and it is like the inside of a cat's ear, soft and attentive. Hello and welcome to the pilot episode of Softshell Radio. This show presents work from the MLIT Art Writing Cohort at Glasgow School of Art and students on the MLIT in Creative Writing at the University of Glasgow. We'd normally be doing this as a live event, which some of you may have attended at the Poetry Club. Our next one was due to be in March at Good Press, but was of course cancelled due to the ongoing COVID-19 crisis. Our contributors will be presenting works in progress as well as finished pieces. The first text you heard, an introduction of sorts, was by me, Maria Howard, and next we'll have poems by Jessica Faith Cooper and Jehan Ashercook, followed by Floating Methods, a collaborative text by Adrian Howard and Kat Patrick. Full credits for each section will also be listed on the episode notes. Ceramics Do you have your nice mug with you? You ask over the phone. I am halfway down the M6 at a service station and my body won't let me drive anymore. Yes, I say, the Crail Pottery one. And I look at it, sitting in the footwell with all the vegetables... That is so good, you say. I am so glad. It makes me feel so much better to know that you have nice pottery. I smile and remind myself that the other family had nice pottery too. Having good bowls and good mugs doesn't mean your life will be good. Wine. I should stop drinking so much wine before bed. It gives me the most awful nightmares and wakes me up every morning at 5am without fail. I like the feeling of the wine glass in my hand. I like the sense of yearning after I have drunk some. I like thinking about you and having drunk some wine. I like thinking about drinking wine with you someday. I would like to first feel like this and to then be with you. cliche. The one night that I don't dream about you, I dream I am being inducted into a prison and don't know how many belongings I can take. Everyone is giving me different answers. I'm not sure which room is mine in the prison, and somewhere an old flame keeps disappearing and then reappearing somewhere else. There is a big problem with the paperwork. I take over someone's desk accidentally 
and then everyone is gay and the hairdressers can't seem to figure it out. Again we go to sea. When we went to sea, we left by the city wall's gate that once guarded the ancient citadel and set off on chiselled steps on stone down the rocky mountain till we descended near the fishing port and wound our way shortly to shore. When we went to sea, we dropped our things on the sand of Bassardly and ran to a rock from which we dived, you and me, with a splash and swam in the cold blue deep while the eastern gale blew waves that dandled us as our bodies drifting surrendered to the tide's sway, its perpetual rise and fall, ebb and flow. When we went to sea, we saw fish whose scales iridescent as sequins shimmered under the sun's rays. They circled round us and between our legs flashing, and your teeth sparkled through your crescent smile, while halos circled your curly brown hair, strewn with streaks of seaweed. When we went to sea, we inhaled misted sea salt air specked with seagulls, as we watch the summer sun slowly slumber, dip under the sea's wet cover, while the moon illumined whiter by the twilight. And again we repeat today, tomorrow like yesterday, and again we go to sea. I look across and I can see your window. We wave to one another sometimes. I often think I can hear your voice or the dog bark, but it could be anyone or anybody's dog. I take pleasure in these absent communications now. In the evening, when I'm making something to eat, I look across and I can see small cracks of light from around the edges of the curtain, where it fails to meet the wall. The light in the room means there's something happening. It's off and it's the end of the day for you. Resting limbs, shallow breaths, eyes closed. I'll see you again tomorrow from behind the curtain. The Finiston crane is so broad-shouldered. I've acquired this lazy habit in which I categorise great moments of engineering as butch. Butch is not a sentiment, but a body. Barely even a word, there's no history in it. Quick efficiency of a motorway, the airless meeting of rubber and tarmac, powerful knees of a bridge, muscular tension of any cable. There is cunt and cantilever, slow, precise movements, smell of warm metal on your fingers, punched blood, steam-bent bone, only a butch could harness the river, make the most of its sway. Wetness, too. The buttress of a dam. Knuckles. In butch there is something left behind. Place the puffed-out chest over the old steel skeleton. Leave the light chaotic across the bedspread. And industry never tires of its city. Apparently this is a myth. The glass sags over time. At least it does not change its shape in a time relevant to humans. Perhaps in strange time it does. Glass behaves like liquid at times, so I suppose I thought it sagged due to the effect of gravity. I'm told that windows are made by floating molten glass on a bed of molten tin. Naturally, this is called the float method. Before that, though, the glass for a window was cut from blown cylinders or discs, which is then quickly flattened. This causes the glass to be thicker at the bottom than it is at the top, and this is what causes the distortion. The last time we walked together, it was through the centre of the city. We reached the street where the building stood to find a thin layer of molten glass across the pavement. Hot, the soles of our shoes became tacky as the rubber began to melt. 
Glass only liquefies when it reaches a temperature somewhere between 1400 and 1600 degrees Celsius. We both looked up to see that the building was spilling its windows. The panes had softened and were sliding from their frames, down the exterior walls and onto the hard concrete below. The building now stands with perforated walls which air passes freely through. This is a time relevant to ghosts. The alphabet is a strange place full of strange time. Like an octopus, it has a decentralised nervous system, a small brain in every tentacle, each component part of a whole and yet able to think and feel on its own terms. Ghosts love initials, for example. This is the trace left behind, the fastest spelling on a Ouija board, the marks left on trees, on a cotton nightdress, on flesh. Ghosts don't have time for words. Ghosts don't have time. Only letters will do, and only out of respect for the living. In the other place, the place of strange time, I am sneezing, I am underwater, I am watched by things that don't belong in the sea, cameras, people, a mop leaning against a wall, unusual eyes. This must mean that the other place is an aquarium, nose pressed against the ridge of a tortoise shell, the gills of a shark. I like the hard logic of glass in between everything. When I spell aquarium, I always add a C as if I'm holding onto a cough. I recognise that strong aquarium smell, Water trying too hard, forced through tacky filters. Water is given too much responsibility. No, the water is not my body. My mother tells me often of the time I broke a large, rare shell at the aquarium out near Loch Lomond. She watched as I lifted it from a shallow tank that imitated a rock pool, small waves breaking against the glass. I pulled it close to my chest, touching my forehead to its pinkness, then lifted it up, elbow straight in the air, and smashed it against the tiled floor. Afterwards, I asked her for punishment. She does not remember that in the chaos I slipped a fragment of shell inside my sock. I had been forced to wear a dress and it did not have any pockets. What about the rhododendrons? In Glasgow, they make the parks especially aesthetically pleasing, but many scientists have labelled them a complex variable hybrid swarm, or monsters for short. The Victorians wanted the purple, red and pink flowers to cover their estates, providing attractive shelter for game which they could then kill. I can't imagine making a plan of such size. Rhododendrons were not made for the harsh Scottish climate. Botanists created a new variety by combining North American and Spanish species brought back by the plantsmen. Now it is prolific, often blocking the path of other endemic flora. Poor trees, poor mosses, poor ferns. Still, it is very romantic, this nowhere plant. Colour swaggering through everything. No, I won't be blamed for my affinity with monsters. I am not the one destroying trees. Rhododendrons are a highly invasive species. Why do you call it romantic? I suppose pink, red and purple are the colours of romance. You can see the effect romance has on the body. Small bruises appear on the skin, tender to touch, marbled flesh. I dreamt I fell in love with a flower which grew from under your fingernails. We used heavy machinery with long hydraulic arms to extract the flower from the root. A number of days later, small bruises appeared on your fingers and the backs of your hands. We both agreed it was very romantic. Next up is Castle Lawn, a story by Shu and Nee Doherty, followed by a live recording from Jess Higgins called Honey, a text by Jen Martin, and an extract from Bad Raisins and Rotting Leaves, Notes on Eating and Being Eaten by Lorna O.
The shopping centre itself was sort of dated and rarely used. It looked like a bouncy castle that had turned to rock overnight. A badly designed set, an oversized toy, a swimming pool turned inside out, engaged in a game of musical statues and frozen in ridiculous contortions. It was completely shaded from the sun and almost always cold in the summers and overheated and badly ventilated in the winters. I had really only ever used it to cut through from the square to Shop Street. I always remembered its dim but garishly decorated interior through adjusting eyes, blotched with blood-orange sunspots. Now I had returned because someone lived in the flats above. It was October and night time. There was a cold snap and we weren't going to continue drinking on the street. Your fingers would fall off. I never knew there were flats here. The top few floors were recently renovated to make accommodation, I'm told. There is still sawdust in the lift. The hallway is how I would have imagined it. Patterned maroon carpets, golden beige walls, suspiciously damp in places. But the flat itself is modern and decked out with a matching set of leather dining chairs. Everything is pine and glass. This scene of meditated calm is enforced by a reed diffuser. It's filling the room with its heady aroma. Floral notes scratch at the back of your throat. The window faces back onto the way we came. The hallway contracts in order to make sense of it. It's here, at the horizon, where your eye strains in effort to track the slippery sheen of the water, struggling to differentiate it from the sky. Lying out on the concrete jetty, over and under, wet and dry or clearer, the water in our shadows sculpt smooth black contours on the light grey stone. The sound of the water and wind is delicate, a hiss rather than a shush. But as they swell, the water rocks its contents, empty cans, plastic bottles and old dilapidated curragh. This variety of instruments creates sloshes and taps, thin tin sounds and rounder wooden knocks. It's unnerving, this disjointed rhythm. It plays tricks with your synchronised breath and beat, causing your inhale to sharpen and your chest to feel tighter. I start to feel so sick that I race out for some privacy in the paisley carpeted hallway. Pattern on pattern on pattern, the print of my breakfast, lunch and dinner clash fashionably with your interiors. If I listen long enough to my life, I find a one-way road that holds first, followed into and then crawled from. I address the room. What haven't you Something returns. Two, two, two. This shirt, that haircut, that line of work. The feel, the feel, the feel of a beat. The feel, the feel, the feel of a... A stare, a general knowledge, a common fact. Naming a baby after a day or a place or a distant relative or a slipper, a slipper, a slipper. If I listen long enough to my life, oh. I'm just a stage. What haven't you fallen into? A long line of warm and wider arms. A wanton desire to smell all your crevices. To get a face full of dust where trust kicks up trouble and the thrust means what could be, could be. She's ringing out, it's a broken record. I address the atmosphere. Try this one. What haven't you fallen into? What haven't you fallen into? 
during the day the organisation was shopping. This is just a coincidence. At 2pm, half of the organisation was writing a draft that would never be sent. It took 10 minutes to write and 10 minutes to decide not to send, swithering over voice and tone. At night time, the organisation dreams it is worried about tomorrow. It is worried when it wakes and its worry is only assuaged after breakfast. Only half of the organisation ate. On a video chat, the organisation is remembering when nobody was eating breakfast and how in that week, coffee was currency. It's easy to care about coffee and to do something about it. At 2pm we've been empty for nearly three months. Where does, it doesn't matter, empty itself from mattering? 
The space is unable to hold the satisfaction. It is, however, occupied. By September, the organization's archive gathered dust from the minute shakes of plaster falling. Cars passed outside. The jettisoned organization is supporting artists. The gatherings are meaningful and huge and small, and they last for two hours, sometimes more. They are impressions reaching through interfaces. Reaching is a muscle for trying and caring. They face one another, apart. Phantom pain from splintered parts is a truth that's hard to pass on. One fraction of the organisation is remembering trajectories of proposed activity. A foreshortened drawing of a plan in pink Posca pen. Another part of the organisation receives an email about funding and the space is worried again. The organisation's heart is at the centre always. Don't forget. Note to organisation, don't forget the heart. A note pinned on the office wall seems inconsequential. It must put out the recycling. It should do something invisible to another invisible part. There's a dialogue that one part of the organisation is facilitating with an artist. Stretched out over months, consequently it is underpaid. The organisation wakes up thinking about how to support artists. In pitiable compensation and going beyond the boundary of care, it writes, love in the sign-off to the artist. The organisation is sleeping and dreaming of a spreadsheet that sinks into fathoms of rows. They are doing something which looks like a breakdown if people were able to look at it. Transparency is a window that opens to a generous performance of privacy. It is actually illegible and repellent. This is an extract from Bad Raisins and Rotting Leaves. Notes on eating and being eaten. The truth is that as far as I can see, everything's cracking up. He says as I get drenched in your wood smoke curls. Not those ones, but those ones. Where are the leaves? It must be dead. No more weeping. It's the type of sadness that runs towards you with its arms wide open, sometimes grinning insipidly. The blackbirds were singing in the dead of night, and the moon watches us while we sleep, but it cannot protect our dreams from all the carnivores. Sometimes, well, often, it seems as though you see me as an x-ray. So what? Be kind to yourself. It's a very odd time. So there we have it. Everything depends on all of this. I want you. I've lost you. Tom York tells me how to disappear completely, and there's snot on the pillows. We never made it past midnight, even on Saturdays, watching our brave selves perform. And at that time, every single one of us who stood on that train platform was having their fortunes read, without even knowing it. And I thought at that moment, well, I love it here on Earth, and I really don't care a fig for what happens next. We tripped and fell over into ourselves, the furthest in we could get. And do you know what we found? Leaves and mulch, feathers and shells, and blue bottles, probably, and clumps of dust, probably, and hair shavings and flakes of skin from the side of your nose, and smudges, probably, and eggshells. In the second to last section, we have a sort of transcription by Timothea Armour, two poems by Maria Sledmere, Sarah O'Brien's voice text O, an untitled text by Camille Cornu, and a poem by Carolyn Hashimoto. Introduction. Music. A 
country tune played with a lot of enthusiasm but little expertise, or music, it eventually turns out to be a cover of Beat Happenings Indian Summer, or Scene, a concert in a community hall. Effects, fuzzy microphone, guitar being tuned, continue over. Musician, this song is dedicated to this group of people. Effects, audience laughter. Musician, to ourselves. Effects, laughter increases in volume. Musician, because although we might make it look easy, because, you know, we might make this look easy. Okay. It's called Room Games and Diamond Drain. Close, off, okay, so it wasn't be happening. Effects, violin, guitar play, continue over. Band, I'm going to love you for a hundred years through suffering and celebration, dear, because only you can make my lies come true. Fade out to, the bit about lies coming true is important. Hold on to that. Actually, the suffering, the celebration and the hundred years are too. And you, this is sentimental. So, why is this band, the band we really started, a country band? Maybe it's supposed to be more earnest, or was it ironic, or was it about what counts as country or countryside anyway? Or was it a way of talking about love, not exactly in the songs themselves, but because I'm still afraid of the sound of my own voice singing by itself? Open the door and the car fills with wood smoke smell waiting for something unexpected to happen. A big fluorescent strip light turns on at the horizon and it starts to drizzle a little bit. We can go into this tunnel and effectively be swallowed up by the earth at the point where two rivers meet into a vault built by goblins and that somehow makes so much more sense than the time we have to live through. Part 1, the night before the general election. There is a big pink moon and there are 13 wild ponies on the hill. I hold my hands out towards them and they come over. I didn't know there were going to be ponies there. Their presence is solid and woolly and the realm is theirs, like the cave painting belongs now to the animals in the painting. The hill is a cave painting. Their woolly cave painting bodies come ambling over. They're probing with prehensile upper lips and snuffling and tugging at the sleeves of my sheepskin coat until I am surrounded by the full fuzz winter coat and pony breath. Sometimes there's no way of verifying something. The first page of Google results for White Squirrel Byers Hill ends with searching for 828293 phone numbers in Kalauhi, North Carolina. Part 2. After. Effects. River. Breeze in forest. Continue over. I actually thought it was like, you know, maybe I'd just gone into another dimension. Yeah. Where have they gone? Maybe it's me. Maybe I've gone. Yeah, I guessed we'd kind of gone. I think this path has washed away a bit since we were last here. Effects. Wind picks up. Close. Oh my god. Close. Just watch your head. I've got a torch if you need. Oh wow, even further down. Yeah, it doesn't really go anywhere. It's kind of... kind of exciting. Have you ever been down there? Low quality, lovely Broadway. Continuance is light fast. You are someone who reads. I have thought long and hard about Bjork eating a watermelon and put this line on ice. 
Such frost as the mineral allowance is held in, sulphurous, you touch to your lips the easy, exhausted. Plastic transparency of era as theatre, how butter melts on clinker brick, and rolling an egg around my face is nice. Colours are sentences. I have noticed the green of your eyes, how they are wearing orange, the gleam of casual alchemy online violence around us. Grimes says the sky is pertinent. I guess I'm going for a walk again. Imagine this but silk. I had so many sunsets for breakfast and broke the egg in such ultraviolet as the brush would allow. Be subscribed, brightsome, candent. Say this is easy for you as it is for me. Sensuality in smallest thought was priceless, the getting of male this. Glitch Meridian Tree, you are so full of time I can hardly see what's left of it. Being this scorched, addressing the torso with oil's last postcode lottery. You wouldn't download a mew, but shinies are everywhere, just ask pastoral. Friday I check the news, Friday I feel this is love, but how would I know when the glass is the glass is the glass between us? All laudable scaffold, the world had died outside the world because of the weather, blown sideways back to atrium futures. A poem begins with this inching through air, with my sherbet detritus, trying to reach the luminous egress of hours erected, clicked to a locked conundrum. It's like, yeah, I already said, you are so full of time and the blush of your sap is prime solution, lowest zero in a blossom of jewelries. I want this to be natural, comfortable, sporadic. Whatever you want to open with, adore you, adornment, resist this spatial discrepancy, exist to make leaf with me. Lips make an O unpursed to parse, an oval round an egg to a stone upturned. Solid ground to the cipher zero that came from the cleft, left by a rock removed from its nook. When removal turned remainder and nothing was born, to bear the weight of naught fraught with the absent of presence of there. A memento momentum that cups the cusp of one to none and holds the hollowed point without the shell of an ear to hear what not there in the shadow of the shade where light hides in gentle casings an oval like the egg and the stone. But crystallised membranes out with tungsten bones and yoking light that keep caught that which will hatch with the crack of a crevice that turns a surface to a hole to the shape of an O. Je me, demande, euh, je, me, je me demande comment réagiraient les gens si je proposais quelque chose en français. Ça m'étonnerait qu'on me l'interdise. Ça m'étonnerait parce que quand même, c'est une école d'art. Donc, on est gentil. On est ouvert, en tout cas. On est ouvert, on accepte les propositions. Et voilà. À la limite, ça peut même passer pour de l'expérimentation. 
Je sais pas. Mais en vrai, euh, je pense que les gens vont juste croire que j'ai pas fait assez d'efforts et que j'ai eu la flemme d'écrire en anglais. Genre, il y a une règle, quoi. Il y a une règle, Camille, dans ce groupe. Et voilà, je la respecte pas, visiblement. Mais non, en fait, il y a quand même plein d'autres règles. Et euh, je crois que j'en respecte un certain nombre. Alors, ça va, peut-être que je peux me permettre un léger écart sur celle-là. Peut-être. Euh, peut-être, on verra. On verra. En tout cas, euh, ce qui me donne un peu envie de soumettre éventuellement peut-être euh, quelque chose en français, c'est que euh, si on était en France, il euh, n'y aurait aucun problème à ce que quelqu'un dont l'anglais est la langue maternelle euh, propose un texte en anglais parce qu'on qu attend des gens tout simplement qu'ils euh, comprennent l'anglais. Seulement, euh, c'est loin d'être une évidence et euh, tous les gens ne comprennent absolument pas l'anglais. Parce que tout simplement, ça relève d'un certain niveau d'éducation auquel euh, tout le monde ne euh, va pas avoir accès. Et donc plein de gens se sentiraient quand même euh, exclus au cours de cette lecture euh, qui se ferait tout naturellement en anglais, en France. Donc voilà, tout le monde n'a pas ce privilège de parler une seconde langue. Et de l'autre côté, il euh, y a aussi des gens qui ont le privilège de ne pas avoir besoin, jamais, des gens pour qui ce ne sera jamais nécessaire d'apprendre euh, une seconde langue. Voilà, euh, après il faut que je fasse court parce que quand même je suis en train de faire un texte en français, dans un contexte anglophone, donc je vais abréger. Et euh, je crois qu'au final la seule raison qui me pousse à, à écrire en français, c'est juste que j'espère que personne ne va comprendre et que, et que les gens vont croire que j'ai dit des choses très, très intelligentes. C'est une façon de laisser place au doute. Permanent blues. Until I can drive to the lock again and watch the gentle hues, I'm going to make a list of all the colours blue. Oxford blue, tempest blue, laguna teal, ice pack, bluebird, Mr. Frosty, Florence, Fiji, Holiday Blues, School Blazer, Celestial Cloud, Deluxe Days, Cuddle, Whimsy, Postboy, Airborne, Hindsight, Liberty, Steadfast, Integrity, Sea change, infinity, road trip, rumour, trouble, midnight horizon, pool deck, cool Britannia, wave after wave, diplomatic, Pantone 300, blue smart, sell out, vivid sky. But it's a very particular blue, my permanent blue. So spare me the light blues, the baby hues, the turquoises and aquamarines, the blues that are green. My blue is IKB all the way, baby. Nothing pale or gentle, or soothing, or calm. I want my blue chemical, man-made eclectical. International kind blue, if you please. Don't tease me with the sea, the sky, the distant shores, blue lagoons. My blood is boiling and I'm seeing red.
So that's us. Thank you everyone for listening. We've been Soft Shell Radio, brought to you by students from GSA Art Writing and the Glasgow Uni Creative Writing MLet. We hope you'll tune in again to future episodes, which will also feature graduates from the two courses. In the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at artwritinggsofa. More details can be found along with full credits and links for each contributor on theyellowpaper.org.uk. Special thanks to the artists and writers who submitted recordings on phones during lockdown. We'll be closing the pilot episode with the aptly named Observations on the End by Megan Rudden. Thank you and goodbye. Welcome to Scottish Lockdown News June 2020 with me Fiona Mack and this morning I will be bringing you some current observations of the beginning of the end of the world. I am broadcasting today from an unusually sunny Glasgow with temperatures this week rising to 145 degrees Celsius. Pop star Britney Spears has begun the communist revolution on the same day that she broke the 100 metres world record. A billionaire who sued the NHS but now claims to support the NHS has made a failed attempt to launch a rocket into space from one of his aircrafts despite recently telling his airline staff he will not be able to pay their wages. Football resumes in Germany before fans are allowed to attend matches. The games will be played in an empty stadium and seats will be filled with life-size cardboard cutouts of season ticket holders. The dean of a New York art school sent a video of herself lip-syncing and dancing to song Losing My Religion by R.E.M. to students after they requested a refund of their tuition fees. A new drive through strip club has opened. Customers can be entertained by female dancers wearing gas masks surrounded by giant bottles of Corona while they wait for their food order. A man thought to be associated with a far-right-wing activist group gathered a crowd of anti-lockdown supporters to Glasgow Green to declare he has found a cure for the virus in the ingredients of Iron Brew. A spokesperson for Iron Brew has released a statement denying that the drink has any medicinal value and suggested the man in question may have been referring to the old recipe. Another claim had been made by the President of the United States suggesting that injecting bleach directly into the bloodstream would kill the virus. This has since been disproved and the President is currently holding talks with the CEO of Iron Brew. The YouTube channel PE with Joe has been boycotted by the whole of Scotland and the majority of the north of England because he called Margaret Thatcher wonderful during one of his online workout sessions. The chief advisor to the Prime Minister has breached lockdown rules to drive to a castle to test his eyesight because his wife who was ill wasn't ill who was ill because he was ill but wasn't ill and he didn't have childcare because he didn't have children in the car but he did have children when he was checking his eyesight at his second home. This broadcast has been interrupted. This broadcast has been interrupted. This broadcast has been...